0: Today we have a conversation with Eric Naboa. He's co-CEO and executive producer at Impact Ed, which some of you might remember as Discovery Learning Alliance. And I'm Louise Colcott-Stevens from Ear Candy in Johannesburg, South Africa. And today we are talking localization for purpose. So welcome, Eric. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, I think as a mother tongue Uh, When African mother tongue advocates, today we're discussing a topic that's really close to my heart. Um, And I think because I've had the privilege of working with your team um, on a couple of projects over the years, I really have seen firsthand how Impact Ed uses the power of media to transform and educate. Um, I mean, you really have some of the stories that I've seen that we've worked on with you have changed lives. And so thank you for the fantastic work that you do.
1: No, well, thank you all um, for, for partnering with us. If we, if we don't get that part right, then everything we've done you know, before that is, is really for nothing. So, so kudos and thanks to your team.
0: Oh, that's, that's always our pleasure. Um, so let's jump in and can you give me or give the audience a little bit of context to the type of work that you do at Impact Eight?
1: sure so impact ed international was originally established by discovery communications which is now warner brothers discovery to use as you said the power of media to transform education and create positive social impact in under-resourced communities around the world and as part of our creative process we use a number of things formative research human centered design, neuro education, um, and importantly build clear distribution strategies um, as part of that design. But it's, it's all around making sure that our media is having a measurable impact at a massive scale. And we work in a variety of topic areas, education, life skills, uh, health, gender-based violence. We'd love to do more actually in the environment and climate space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's all around equipping young people with the tools they need to thrive. And we also work in a variety of genres. So educational documentaries, which is really where we started, and then narrative feature films, chat shows, animated series, the genre is really dependent on the goals and objectives of the initiative that that we're talking about. And I think importantly, as an organization, we, we look at sort of problem first, solution second. Mm-hmm. So all of our media is really purpose built. We're not a solution looking for a problem like, oh, we, we've got a movie. Let's see how mm-hmm. we can make an impact with it. But rather we look at and decide with ourselves or with our donors um, or other partners, what's the impact we're seeking to have? And then how do we get that done? So we walk Mm -hmm. through a bit of a process where we look at the problem and the root causes of that problem um, or change that we wanna see and then try and understand what the levers are that that we can Mm -hmm, pull through mm -hmm. media. We can't do everything. We, you know, we can't inoculate, you know, a child, uh, but we can, we can talk about the value of vaccines. So we Mm want to understand what the right levers are through media. And then of course, honing in on our target audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're, it's, it's a pretty simple equation. How do we get that message to that audience? And maybe Mm -hmm. it's a feature film and maybe it's a dramatic series or a chat show. Uh, But we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, build a, a feature film if all we need is a tweet or a TikTok. Like we want to have this solution again, purpose built. But as part of that, and the the final stage is then the distribution process and that mm-hmm. localization plan. Because if we don't, if we don't get it, like I said, if we don't get that localization right, then all of that amazing work that's happened before isn't gonna have, isn't gonna make a difference. It's not gonna connect with the audience. So localization becomes that essential sort of sort of final ingredient there at the end. And we've worked in a a bunch of different languages, uh, Mm -hmm. probably not nearly as many as you've worked in, but Spanish for Latin America, um, Romanian, Brazilian Portuguese, mm-hmm. Angolan Portuguese, so mm-hmm. continental Portuguese, but with Angolan uh, uh, voice talent. Mm-hmm. Arabic for Morocco, Arabic for for Egypt, which was which mm-hmm. was different, and then French, English, Hausa, Somali, Swahili, um, Indibeli, which was great was great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as 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 you can well appreciate, casting a, a feature film in Somali has some really fun challenges associated with it. Uh, my,
0: my heart starts beating fast as you say, <laughs> as you say it, like, because I, I know exactly what sort of a challenge that must be. But I mean, that's a pretty impressive um, list of languages. And what what forms the foundation of your localization strategy when you know once you've identified who you want to, um, you know, who your your audience is and 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 where they sit.
1: Um, well, like I said, it's it's all purpose built. So we know mm-hmm. when we're when we're creating it that the that localization is going to be an, an inherent part of the work. So mm-hmm. we sort of literally and figuratively make space for those other languages. Um, so we're not trying to kind of retrofit it, squeeze it in um, at the end. But it's really, hopefully, um, you know, built with that in mind because the majority of our audiences don't speak English or French um, or, or as a first language um, mm-hmm. it's it's likely a third language in mm-hmm. in many cases if at all so we' mm-hmm. we've, that localization becomes um, yeah becomes the, the key to the key link to the, the audience and we yeah. want to make sure we get things right in terms of the voiceover talent are we really connecting with them so we'll we'll get talents together and we'll do surveys with target audience mm-hmm. members what do you think of the accent? What do you think of the voices here? How is it, how is it coming across? And um, even if we're just talking about in English, English yeah. is one thing, but is it the right, is it the right accent that's going to work yes. for a Pan-African audience or for an East African audience? Mm. Um, so all those things, and, and we rely heavy, you know, whether it's your team or others, we really rely heavy, um, you know, on those production partners to, to help us get that right and um, and make those decisions. And we're usually going from English to other languages, but sometimes, sometimes. it's not. I mean, it, with um, uh, with our chat shows, a lot of the segments were going from local languages to English or local languages okay. to Hausa or, or Somali. So it really does uh, vary quite a bit.
0: And it's interesting because I think that that's often the perception of of the audience, or or should I say our community from a localization point of view, is that it's either going from one language to English or English, you know, back. So the fact that you're working in those local vernaculars, that makes it a huge challenge, Mm. particularly um, looking at the African context, you know, there are 2,000 languages. So a vernacular that's spoken by literally a tiny handful of people to then find those resources that are going to be able to take it um, and, and put it into English, as an example, becomes a huge challenge for you, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It becomes a huge challenge. And, and the smaller the language by by almost mm-hmm. by definition, the smaller the talent pool. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so it's challenging.
0: Absolutely. Um, and so when you make those language choices from an educational point of view, what are the things that you really take into account? So you've spoken a little bit in terms of the talent. Um, you know, you used Hausa as a as an example. I mean, there are various dialects um, within that particular language as an example. And depending on where your voice talent is coming from, they'll more than likely tell you whether it's right or wrong. And then somebody else is going to tell you that it's right or wrong. Um, so, so, you know. What do you focus on from point of, you know, cultural diversity, the age of the, the your audience, the location, level of, of of education? You know, what are the things that that um, are important for the educational content specifically?
1: Yeah, thanks for for that. It's it's an interesting challenge and opportunity because we could always do more and we just have Mm -hmm. to balance that with, you know, Mm -hmm. with budgets and the economics of it. I mean, we're trying to appeal to as wide an audience as possible, but we Mm -hmm. also recognize where that starts to fall apart. Um, You know, particularly in, in, you know, in Africa where, The differences between audiences, you know, among countries is vast and even within the same country is extraordinarily vast. Um, Even like you said, urban, rural, even in the same language group. Um, So we really try to ensure that our audiences are both seeing and hearing characters that they're familiar with whether mm-hmm. it's urban, rural, or that kind of thing, because if if the characters aren't resonating, if there isn't sort of a contact point with our audience, the impact can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot in our work in, in social impact media about surrogacy, the idea mm-hmm. that there's there's somebody in this story that that I as a viewer can relate to. Um, and so if that's not there, uh, it's, it, the impact sort of starts to fall apart. Um, mm-hmm. That connective tissue with the audience is gone. That, that emotional connection with the audience is gone. And if you lose the emotional connection, then you start to lose your impact, your messaging, because um, we, we know that that part of the brain that connects to, to emotion and memory are, are right next to each other, so yeah. that that that's why that's why humans have learned through stories, you know, since the beginning of time. That's why we mm, tell parables, mm-hmm. um, mm. because those things are really inextricably linked. in In terms of education, the details of the language, um, so the technical pieces start to become important. Mm. So, you know, if we're talking about, for example, Moroccan Arabic versus Egyptian Arabic. Um, you know, is there understandability? Yes, of course, there's going to be Mm, understandability, mm. especially Egyptian is a little bit more classical Arabic. And so it it tends to travel um, uh, a little bit easier. But in Morocco, there's a a lot more of a French influence, Mm. um, particularly when you're talking about scientific words. And so if we're doing a romantic comedy, it may not be that big a deal. But Mm. if we're doing educational documentaries in schools that the Ministry of Education is going to approve or not approve, we have to get the science and the language right. So if we use yeah. words like photosynthesis or, or supernova, um, some of those words have a more of a French influence than they do in other parts of the Arabic speaking world. So um, always sort of interesting challenges when we're dealing with what has to be approved from, from the Ministry of, of Education. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things that's been kind of interesting recently is looking at um, taking formats that we've developed in Africa and taking them to other places. So we did an animated series called My Better World that was really for Pan-African audiences and, and, you know, re-language. I think we have that in in like five different languages, but there's Mm -hmm. real interest in a similar series. It's sort of for young people around life skills. So each Mm -hmm. episode takes sort of a different life skill that our characters are walking through or, or wrestling with. And there's interest in taking that series to, to India. So we took the series from Africa, we voiced it um, in Hindi, and took it mm-hmm. to uh, test audiences, uh, focus groups in Mumbai, to see what kids would think. Do they like the series? Would they be interested in seeing um, something like this, but with Indian characters? Um, thankfully, the answer has, has so far been it's yes. Amazing. So it's, that's a really interesting, um, sort of a, a, a fun new opportunity we've we've had of late
0: and 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 what what did the audience say that it was about it that that made it you know that enabled it to be globally appealing
1: I think it's because it's really it's it's a young people focused it's young people driven mm-hmm. so it's um you know it's about these six you know young people there in secondary school sort of early secondary school and they're just trying to figure things out like mm-hmm. you know my mom wants me to sell watermelons and not go to school because times are hard. Mm. Or my teacher is, you know, is hitting me there. There's, you know, there's, there's corporal punishment. How do we deal with that? Um, Mm. So I think while not all of those specific issues would necessarily translate, I think the idea that young people are working together to sort of address mm-hmm. the problems in their family, in their community, in their school, that resonated really, really significantly.
0: Mm-hmm. So the storylines are universal.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, or at least the, the, the larger the theme... Yeah, yeah, as young people figuring things out, working together, mm-hmm. supporting each other, and and finding the, you know, as appropriate, finding the right adults to support them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the bigger struggles um r- really resonated across across cultures.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean when when you're taking one particular story and, and multi-languaging it, um what do you find are the biggest challenges? when looking at this you know you spoke about kind of using technical terms and scientific terms what what makes it what is the biggest challenge when when doing kind of you know it for five or six different quite diverse audiences so you might have east africa versus west africa um egypt india what what, what's your biggest challenge when 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 doing a project like that
1: Um, The first thing that comes to mind, which isn't the bigger issue necessarily, but the first thing that comes to mind is casting. Again, because the smaller the the language group, the, the more challenging it's going to probably be to to cast, especially a wide variety of voices. If yeah. you know, it would be one thing if it was just a straight up, um, you know, sort of uh, voice of God narration, and you just mm. need one voice for twenty minutes, mm. and you kind of got it. But when mm. you need a whole collection, and you need moms and dads and kids and uncles and aunts, um, and you need a variety of voices, th- that can be that can be challenging. I think maybe even more so is just trying to figure out that just right space for, mm-hmm. for cost efficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would be so great if we could just do one Arabic version that would work in every single Arabic yes. community or, you know, yes. just one, uh, even, even Swahili. I mean mm. the Swahili we doing Kenya and the Swahili for for Tanzania wow you gotta <laughs> you better be ready because that's not just you can't just do one Swahili exactly. and just think that it's going to work in Nairobi and Dar es Salaam it's just not mm. gonna not gonna happen and there are some languages where it's like. Uh, there's, you know, like you have a lot of Brazilian, you know, soaps certainly that play in Angola. So you can mm-hmm. certainly have things where uh, a foreign accent is actually interesting or sort of exotic or completely fine. But you have other things, and that Swahili example may be one where it can be a real turnoff. Absolutely. And, and so understanding, really getting inside where your audience is coming from, um, because you could not, you could not only turn them off to having any sort of an impact. So they're emotionally detaching from what from what the story is because they're so hung up in this weird, you know, use of the language. Yeah. Um, but they're also just so irritated they're not going to watch another episode of it.
0: Yeah, because yeah. it's that
1: much of a turnoff.
0: Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, the Swahili example is always just such a good one. The fact that you know something that's if you look at Swahili, there are 150 million speakers, and, and so I think that often people who don't know they will automatically go, well, let's just do it into Swahili because there's this huge market. But actually, it is just so diverse and you can get it really wrong. I I always think about when, when I go to Tanzania and the Tanzania, if there is a Kenyan, they tend to be quite dismissive of the accent. Mm-hmm. And if you're in Kenya, it's the same thing. So yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my big question, we spoke about Somali earlier. Um, how do you find the right technical um, resources in an, in a country that is, I mean, literally a disaster area i mean it's a it's a war zone if, yeah. for lack of a better term and then how are you able to find the right people to you know, translators whatever it may be how do you go about that process
1: essentially and not to oversimplify but we try and get as close as we can to the target audience. So, in the case of mm-hmm. Somali, we we did you know, we physically did the work in Nairobi um, with Somali talent from mm-hmm. from Eastern mm-hmm. Kenya, and so so we we can we do whatever we can to get as close as possible, um, but still maintain the you know the technical um, you know needs that that we have.
0: Mm-mm. And, and do you find that those technical needs are, are sometimes quite difficult to meet, you know, in terms of trained resources, uh, uh, do you, have you set up a network that now fulfills that or is it an ongoing um, kind of process to, to, to do, do, you edu- do you need to educate the people who are actually technically working on the programs or is that something that you leave to, um, to your partners?
1: I don't know. I find that we're, we're learning more than we're teaching (laughs) everywhere we go. I mean, you know, yes, would we, you know, would we like to just go ahead and record those voices way out in, in Eastern Kenya? Um, theoretically, yes, yes. Um, but man, there's so much talent in Nairobi. There's so much talent yeah. in Dar es Salaam. Um, yeah. Our animated series, we did the animation. It was actually sort of split, which was which was really fun. The animation was done. Uh, when people see it, they're like, "Oh, you did the animation, you know, in New York or in LA, um, you know, or maybe in India, and you you shipped it over." And it's like, no, no, no. These were animators in Dar es Salaam. Fantastic. These were animators in Johannesburg, working together Fantastic. across those two cities. And have mm-hmm. a beautiful project, a, a beautiful product, rather um, that's really innovative. And interestingly, one of the things that's kind of innovative of it, um, about it, is that the backgrounds are live action, whether they're mm-hmm. still or video, and then the foreground, or all of our characters, are animated. We mm-hmm. actually did it because we were trying to cut costs. <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were trying to be efficient and not have to draw all the backgrounds, mm-hmm. but it ended up giving it a really cool look. And now that we're taking that and sort of testing it in um, in India, they, they, they think mm-hmm. that look is really interesting. And so we're probably going to keep it um, because it's now fantastic. it's just a cool, it's a cool feature, um, you know, and a unique attribute as opposed mm-hmm. to just, well, mm-hmm. we're just trying to cut corners and save some money.
0: So I have a saying that, um, and I think I might have said this the last time we chatted um, that, you know, international solutions don't always fix African problems. Mm. I think it looks like you've really started to subscribe to that. And you're, wor- you're, you're working with what's happening to create something that's new and innovative um, that's, you know, it then is, is found appealing all over the place. So I love that. I love that you're, you're creating talent where you are.
1: Yeah, in fact, you, you're you're so right, and and I could even take it a step further in that what we so much of the time forget in the international community is that there are African solutions to global yeah. problems. Absolutely, and that's that's exciting. Like when that learning starts to take mm-hmm. place, and that's where, in in a small way, we're looking to do that by taking formats that have been developed in Africa and take them to other parts of the world or or other parts of Africa. There's great shows that. That have you know come out of East Africa and they haven't seen them in West Africa or Southern Africa, mm, mm. Um, and 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 vice versa. That there's a whole um, sort of ecosystem that that is just you know continuing to develop that would be exciting to um, yeah to be play a part of.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, I, I I love your work. I, I think that you're doing some fantastic you, you create you're enabling Africa and Africans to create real positive and meaningful change um, from my perspective and certainly in the other um, territories that that you're working in in the programs that that you're implementing um i just uh, it's it, it humbles me to to know that that I, I from time to time play a role in that so thank you.
1: You absolutely do. We we literally we literally cannot do what we're doing without you. We we can't do what we're doing without um, those those local partners that that know what they're doing, that do it at a high standard, but also care about the end result. Um, it's not just about pushing out a product, but making sure mm-hmm. that it's the right thing for the right reason, and it's going to have a real impact. And we're we're just so grateful for that.
0: Well, thank you for having the impact that you that you do. It's it's been such a pleasure to have this conversation.
1: Likewise, um, thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. So I hope that we get to do it again soon. Um, and I think do you want to just share your? Um, I know you have some reasonably new web details. If anybody wants to um, go and have a look at at more of the work that you're doing in the programs that you're implementing across the world.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Uh, impact Ed. So impacted.org. You can also find us on Twitter um, and on Facebook as well.
0: Fantastic. Eric, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Louise. Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.